and welcome to the podcast series Talking Leadership Best Practice Network. Thank you for everyone to coming back for what I, I think is going to be a fascinating discussion around two topics, especially around the feedback and um, the comments that we've had already around the first two podcasts. So welcome back, everybody. So let me just quick say a quick hello. So Mr. Morgan, welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. And Alan, welcome back. Happy to be here. Looking forward to a great conversation. Uh, great. And Ron, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Neil. Hi, Kevin, everyone. Looking forward to a good conversation. And Zani, welcome back with your wonderful cakes in the background. Kevin, I hope I don't make too many people hungry. No, well, it's, it's only it's only audio, so we're pretty good. It'd just be us who can uh, who can see them in the background there. And Eric, welcome back, and thank you again for managing us through this process. No worries, glad to be here. All right, Eric, did you want to just start us off, set the scene, and then we can uh, make a start? So the first topic area, love to get your feedback on this one, is the idea of having fit for future leaders, or you could add fit for future leadership. We might go to Danny to start with. So future fit leaders, what does this mean for you? I took a bit of a different approach with this question and thought about it. Are we developing fit for future leaders within businesses? So last week we had a discussion around who we admired as leaders and all of us sort of were challenged with that question because we couldn't actually think of people that we really admired. So then it brought me to the thought process of do we have the right leadership in business right now to develop fit for future generations? So I think we have a lot of old the leaders in businesses that aren't able to adapt and are looking to ride the wave into retirement. We also need to make sure that the older leaders are able to, you know, be flexible and adapt their style in a meaningful way. And I also don't think that we give the fresh faces the ability to come into leadership positions because we're looking for that many, you know, the years of experience. So we're not encouraging them to step into leadership positions and then be able to stretch stretch their capability. On the flip side, though, we need knowledge and experience to attract talent because obviously you want to learn from the best. So, you know, it's a two-edged sword. So don't feel like that there's enough diversity. So there's not enough young and old, male and female and different cultures within organisations to really make sure that we are developing fit for future leaders. Thank you, Zanny. We'll go to Chris. Chris, what are your thoughts on this idea of future fit leadership? I think it's something we focus on quite a lot. However, when you're in a smaller organization, it's very hard to have that breadth of people to be able to choose and guide you. You almost inevitably end up with the person who steps up and has been doing it the longest ends up rising to the top. And they're not necessarily a great leader. They're just good at their job, which is not the, not the best fit in many cases because they're the people who have been doing it the same way for a long time. So you don't get a lot of freshness or, or newness when you do that. What you get is consistency. And, and a lot of the times consistency is probably more important on the day-to-day basis, but you're losing potential growth by doing that. It is a really hard one. We talk about it a lot. We regularly talk with our team leaders about them grooming people in their team to be able to step up and take their place. And I regularly talk about to my team leaders that I need them to step up and basically take my place. Their role should be to do me out of a job so that I can go away for a month somewhere to do something else and that I know everything's going to run well and things are still going to keep improving, not just you know holding pat. doesn't make it easy because you, you're sort of limited with what you've got in a smaller organisation. You can't sort of bring two or three extra people in to see how they'll go because you're really constrained with those, you know, Personnel is a, a major issue. And as soon as you've got two or three extra people on the shop floor, lots of people upstairs start grumbling. 
even though it may in the long run be better for you. So that's that constant battle. Thank you, Chris. Uh, we'll go to Ron next. Ron, your views on this this idea of a future fit leadership. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Look, this whole question around future fit leaders is, is something that is very dear to, to my heart, particularly given that uh, my teams within TXM Lean Solutions and Best Practice, Practice Network, their whole focus is around developing future fit leaders. What we're pleased about is, you know, our clients and our members, by the nature of their coming to us to work with us, says that they have got a, an expressed desire to develop future fit leaders. And that's why they're engaging us, right? So a lot of the, I guess, the value proposition that we offer is around developing that, that leadership confidence and is around where to. We do see that there's an evolution from a traditional leader to a, a future fit leader, as I'd put it. And we, as we discussed as the, in the previous podcast, some of the key attributes of future fit leaders is their ability to effectively communicate, inspire alignment and control, and create a passion for success. The, the application of these attributes, though, um, that depends on the role that the leader has. You know, what is their role within the organisation? So the deliverables or a frontline leader very different to the deliverables or a departmental leader or for that matter, deliverables of an organisational leader. When we look at this, this measure of leadership fitness, it comes down to the expectations that have been placed on, on the leader. And given all of this, you know, I see there's plenty of forums available for individuals to develop their leadership competence. The key question that really comes to mind when we deal with the issue of developing future fit leaders is whether the senior leaders have got the maturity to invest in the development of their up and coming leaders. And the, the, the core requirement of a business, I feel, is for those senior leaders to recognize the need for leadership within their business and how they define the success of leadership, so that they do invest in those leaders. As Chris said, often leaders are they, they're the, the best person at doing a job, and therefore they get put into a position where they're now looking after that job. The leadership competence is different for that. So need to, to really focus on the development of, of those true leadership competence. Yeah, some good topics there, um, Ron. Thank you. Neil, your thoughts on future fit leadership? Yeah, thanks, Eric, and uh, thanks, Ron. I really, uh, really agree with some of the things you said there. I think <laughs> there is no sort of one answer to this question. You've got to think about different organisations, different levels of leadership, and whether people are fit for the different jobs at different levels. For me, I was thinking about this just in terms of, you know, in what does the fitness look like? How do you define fitness? And it's, it, it, for me, I've just made a list of some of the things that I, I felt were certainly relevant in the world as it is today with COVID and all the other disruptions that are taking place. And I think resilience, adaptability, innovation, the ability to influence and negotiate some of those things are things you can teach in courses you know, and some of those things are skills that you learn through experience so i think diverse knowledge and i, I really enjoy what we do through the benchmarking in the best practice network as well i think that really helps with with that gaining diversity in, in your technique and in, in your knowledge it's one of those things you can learn tools and i think there's a lot of courses where you can learn tools that help people to deal with different situations but there's no substitute for experience uh, and even even though you might have the tools you need the technique you need two things in conjunction with each other to be able to develop that so for me i think there's a there's an awful lot of discussion like we're discussing now around leadership there's an awful, awful lot of discussion there's a, a lot of uh, education around leadership but in terms of getting the experience i think having people to refer to people who can you can transfer experience from earlier generations is a really critical part of that i think as you say it depends in in an organization as to whether the more mature leaders or the more experienced leaders are, are committed to actually make that interface and transfer some of that experiential knowledge rather than tools 
and techniques that people might learn in a classroom type environment. Alan, your thoughts on future fit leadership? Just picking up on a couple of the previous points, I think Zaddy's question, are we developing leaders? Simply, are we developing leaders and what is our leadership development like in organisations? I think a number of pieces of research saying that we're not developing our leaders either in volume or or speed fast enough. And as I said, a number of pieces of research have have pointed to that. And to Ron's point, it's great to see that organisations do come to other 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 organisations with a view of developing their leaders. And I think think that's core that people, that organisations have a desire and a recognition that they need to develop their leaders. I just came at it from the, the perspective of, you know, what are some of the, the skill sets, what has changed in the world that may change what leadership looks like. And to me, I think there's, there's two pieces to it. First, there's the first principles of leadership, the things we talked about in our previous podcast around setting direction, setting vision, giving people feedback, helping them develop coaching, et cetera, et cetera. So those things are sort of the first principles of leadership. And if you even look at the debate around you know, the generational changes, if you look at millennials, what do they want? They, they want a link to purpose. They want to be developed. They want to know how they can contribute. So again, those first principles. But what has changed in our environment, I think, is one, we've, we've had COVID. It's the, the the pandemic and the crisis that that's created. But it's also that we're living in a, in a time where the speed of change is significant. What's the level of, of speed of learning? Knowledge is doubling every couple of years. So what are the, what, what's the context and how the context of change? And so I think that, that brings us to a few things. Now, this concept of learning agility is something that as we go into the future, that leaders need to be constant learners, but they need to be able to learn quickly. You know, we've Zanny touched on diversity. I think as we, we've seen over the last couple of generations, the concepts of cultural intelligence, social responsibility, diversity, et cetera, et cetera. So as a, as a leader into the future, you have to be more attuned to that. And we were talking in our last podcast about EQ, et cetera. And then this the concept of lateral thinking or, or the pivot. Through COVID, we, we saw... A lot of organisations pivot, and it's a word that tends to be overused these days, I think. For me, it's that ability, the speed of decision-making, how are we able to, to actually make that move, think laterally, see, see the opportunity and, and make those decisions quickly. And then there's simple stuff like being tech-savvy in this, in this digital world. And to, um, I guess, to Chris's point and to, to Neil and, and Zani's point to a degree too, you know, the concept of reverse mentoring. You know, crusty old bastards like me who have been around for a long time aren't as tech-savvy as some. So this concept of reverse mentoring and using those young people coming through to help the people at the, the back end of the careers become more attuned to things. And then there's simply you know, this, this concept of the hybrid organisation that's coming out, this need for connection. How do we manage? How do leaders lead in a virtual world where we're not face-to-face all the time? So for me, that there, there are a range of things the context has changed and we probably need to focus more on those sorts of things around learning agility, cultural sensitivity, lateral thinking, you know, being tech savvy and and then how do we manage that connectedness in a a virtual world? We've got Neil with his hand up. Neil, what did you want to say, mate? Yeah, I just wanted to build a little bit on what Alan was saying. I really like what you said, Alan. It's great. And I think one of the things I just wanted to pick out from my point of view is that that some of the things that Alan talked about there around like cultural diversity and the two-way street, reverse mentoring, that kind of thing, a lot of stuff used to be kind of it wasn't explicitly called out and now i think it's kind of explicitly called out it's almost an expectation of business these days that these things are built in so although a really good leader in the past might have just developed those skills and knew that they got better results from those things diversity and things like that now it's kind of explicitly called out it's a set kpi in the business so i think some of those things the framework around 
the environments that we work in now is is much more literal. It's much more um, explicit, and I think that actually helps to develop the environment in which new leaders are, are developing. I really like the reverse mentoring thing. Though. The, you need the diversity then with the, the old skills and the new skills to be able to bring together the best of the two. So I think, yeah, I just think I just wanted to mention that that explicit framework, I think really gives an, a better environment for developing more fit for future leaders. Sorry, yes. I just wanted to jump in with the reverse mentoring. I really like that terminology as well. But I don't know that it happens successfully within businesses. You've got to have egos aside in order for that to happen. And I think it's a great concept, but I don't see it in a lot of organizations that I'm involved in. Thanks, Annie. Kevin, you wanted to say something, Matt? Yeah, if you had, that's great, great conversations some great pickups that I've, but I just wanted to explore and I'll share something we did that Eric and I, when we put the question together, there was a, is it fit for future or future fit leaders? Because I think there's a, there's a slight difference in the way you look at it is traditionally we might have a, you know, are we fit for the future in terms of I've got a plan here? I've got to deliver a 10-year strategy. What do I need to deliver the plan? There's also the future fit, which is about, but there's also this external environment, which I think we've been talking about is about, you know, the way the economy is changing, the way technology is changing, the way we're going to have to deal with ambiguity, the way we're going to deal with with rapid change is you can flip that question both ways. And I'm pretty, you know, and I know there's some very much talk about the, the coaching and the support and the skills, but there's also about the ability of new existing, because I think I'll, this is a whole reverse coaching mentoring is quite interesting about, is about what about the, you know, the capability to, of our leadership to be able to manage what's coming up. I think Alan said, you know, technology and knowledge is, is going quickly so rapid. You know, there's an, there could be that next year we're thrown, hopefully not something else, but our ability to also lead in that environment, I think is something that we've really got to bring into to our, our leadership capability. And I've got my plan got my go but i get in this morning and i've got a phone call and something else has happened so i think it was a really interesting one in terms and i think it started to come out is we've got a very internal view have i got leaders who can take the organization forward but i think there's some leaders future fit leaders where they've got to be ready to almost manage and deal with what's coming their way so i think there's a for me there's two two different ways of looking at this i see multiple hands raised here i just wanted to make sure we get this on the record in terms of themes that have come out and i have to agree with kevin here that the list of themes that i was uh, furiously writing out as you were all speaking is capacity a willingness to engage in developing your leaders and understanding what capabilities you have internally to do that are all very, very critical things to have when you're developing your leaders, but they're very much internally focused. And I would argue, and I'm I'm happy to be corrected here, but I think leaders into the future will also be shaped and will need to be skilled up to deal with very um, rapidly changing external environments. And given that the majority of our external, so for example, export markets are in the Asia Pacific region, are we developing leadership, understanding cultural, the cultural differences and what leadership is expected outside of the Australian context. Now, I don't have a lot of experience in this area and I've only done a few podcasts with leaders with extensive international experience, but I think there may be a slight disconnect there. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but if we were in a perfect world, we wouldn't be having this conversation about developing future leaders if that vista was perfect. So that's my summary 
as it stands now, but happy to be taking on on any of those. I might go to Zanny next, then Ron, and then Alan. Zanny? Going back to what Kevin said, I think that as well that attracting and having a pipeline of talent will be challenging going forward as well because we've got a massive skills shortage in all levels. So I know that that is definitely a challenge for us currently. Thank you. Ron? I think the organic progression of this conversation sort of really highlights the complexity in itself. You know, when we talk about future fit leaders, there's, there's a few things that are I think quite relevant for us to focus on. There's when we talk about leadership, I guess three core areas of focus that are required of leaders. So one is to maintain the standards that have been set. The next level of a leadership is all about improving on those current standards. And then you've got the third layer of innovation. Now, the the changing dynamic of the work environment, the changing dynamic of society and expectations, the evolution of just human interaction requires leaders to be focused on innovation on all of those aspects and introducing and filtering down those changes through the business. But again, depending on the role that you have within the business, it is just as important to have the leaders that can maintain the standards that have been set and ensure that the performance of the business is at the level that it needs to be. And there is a continuous improvement cycle to that. So as we dig into these, you know, it can become a myriad of directions that you could you could follow, follow through, but the importance of understand where you sit in that that hierarchy of innovation and leadership drive and ensure that there is a constant focus on where to and that's a key drive of the business is is the where to and a key drive of leaders is ensuring that that performance is achieved thanks ron alan just picking up on a few of those points again so to zani's point about egos and and are people willing to mentor both ways in organizations i think zani you're probably right that there's there's a degree of ego that gets in the way but to one of Ron's points earlier, organizations need to be very intentional about this stuff. So if you if you do recognize that there is a need for development and mentoring and reverse mentoring inside of a business, you need to be intentional and actually put things in play, put processes in place to drive that, that sort of thing. To your point, Eric, about culturally aware Asia-Pacific, et cetera, now I've had a little bit of experience with some international, um, international assignments, et cetera. The, the, the lesson for me is We've got to understand that we are the ones that are different and you've got to go out there with an open mind and and, and learn and be prepared to make some changes based on those those cultural differences. And and to, to Ron's point, I think think around maintaining the standards and then looking for innovation. And, and we've talked a little bit about where people sit in the in, in an organization and what their leadership roles are. Again, going back to some of the research on on leadership development, one of the one of the findings is to be effective, an organization needs to 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 settle on a set of of leadership competencies or capabilities that are fit for them and in doing so i think by doing that to ron's point if you 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 develop and have your own bespoke leadership model if you like that allows you to be again intentional about what the leadership role is in what what part of the organization who is responsible then for maintaining the standard you know picking up on i think there's some great couple of points we're talking about you know we know this in very traditional good ways of developing leaders there's a lot of standard work and a lot of great experiences with running family business with Izani and all, all the way through to the large corporate so i think it's some great stuff there it is this other bit of um externally now and and this is where i think some of the reverse coaching mentoring can really help is bringing in people who are actually quite happy to use technology or deal with a bit of ambiguity I'm quite happy not 
not know what I've got to do next week yet, you know, and almost reverse coaching and mentoring that back up and going, you know, a bit like the kids going and say, look, chill, dad, don't worry. You know, we're, we're, we can do this. We'll go online or we'll do something or let's have a chat is almost that a little bit of that reverse coaching mentoring we may have been talking about earlier. And it's that ability to deal with that, which I think is is really interesting. And I think it's a it's a topic that adds this this diversity again in our thinking, which is even making the topic more complicated because it wasn't just about delivering a plan. Now it's a plan with everything else that fits on top of us. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic that I think we're now we've learnt over the last 18 months. Zanny? Then then we'll go to you, Chris. Sorry, man. All I was going to add into that is, you know, with the reverse mentoring, it's also about giving the leaders enough rope for them to have a crack at things too. So the younger leaders is making sure that they understand that it's okay to fail because that's the best way to learn. So we just need to make sure that in our messaging that we are empowering the younger leaders just to have a crack, have a go. Can I, Eric, just a, just a little bit on that one? So, Chris, before we go through, I think it's really, really things are terminology as well. So very traditionally, it would have been, it's okay to fail. It's okay to get it wrong. I was talking with University of Sunshine, and they were saying the language they're hearing, it's, it's okay to give it a go. It's okay to experiment. So there's a, there's a whole different psyche around this now in terms of traditional, it's about, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to upset the boss. I don't want to make the number where, you know, in the future, it's got to be, well, let's give it a go. Let's, there was an interesting conversation is about the language that's being used now. Be like, Zanis, give it a go. You've, you're still learning, but you're learning in an experimental way, not in a, I've got it wrong, therefore I've got to recover view. Christopher, so you had your hand up. No, that's fine. I was just, a, it's an interesting thing. And it's a combination of the things that are being said. And I think a lot of the issues we're having going forward is actually us. We're pushing our guys to say, yep, process is the way to go you get a process in place you follow the process and you do all this sort of stuff but by the way feel free to jump out of that process and try something radical and there's a bit of confusion amongst the younger leaders because they're going well hang on you've just spent the last umpteen years saying process process you know standard work standard work but if you want to throw it out and try something different go for it and they're really struggling with that and it's that i'm ending up having to say yes i know you've got a plan i don't care try something different and i think I'm not sure if that helps or makes it more confusing for the newer leaders because in some respects, they want you to say, here's the plan for the next six weeks and we're going to go step one, step two, step three, step four. But then in step you know, week two, I'm going to say, you know what? Let's try something completely different. Turn left and see how that goes. And if it fails, doesn't matter. We'll come back on track and try something else. So I think we're, we're setting up a bit of a, what's all the word? It's, we're confusing them, I think, with the, the two different languages and maybe the use of the word fail is part of that, where we're saying it's okay to fail. Maybe a change of wording to say it's okay to try something different and if it doesn't work, we'll just move on. Or So I think we're having this issue now where we've got these newer leaders that we're trying to bring up fairly quickly because of the lack of, lack of people and the difficulty in getting good people. But now we're getting the mixed messages as well. And in the current environment, you have to do these rapid changes all the time but you've still got this long view of getting this process and, and getting all your standard work pumping along. One thing you've identified there, Chris, I don't think it's a failing of organizations. It's just a reality is how prepared is a business owner or senior leadership prepared to back themselves to say to younger leaders, give it a go. We don't care if you fail. We just want you to try something. And if the feeling amongst junior leaders, because we've all been 
in junior roles before, if I got the feeling that my bosses, when I was on the come up, didn't really support me having a go and potentially failing, I wasn't going to put myself or the people around me at jeopardy. And I think people's BS radar is quite attuned. And if you don't think you're getting fed the reality of the situation, you, you're you not going to want to do it. The other thing that you bring in with what you just said, Chris, and it's something I think is worth exploring, maybe not in this podcast, but definitely I want to ask the question, what is our our current leadership in our organizations, if, if I can put it that way, what is their desire for ambiguity? What is their ability to deal with change? And I think this is a question that doesn't often get explored enough in my estimation that one leader's appetite for ambiguity and change will be very different to another. And I think that changes depending on the level of leadership that you're talking about. I think leaders are dealing with ambiguity in very different ways. And if you can cast your mind back to our previous podcast, when we're talking about foresight and strategic planning. We've got strategic plans now that may not be worth the paper. They're written on given we may not know what's going on tomorrow, let alone next week. So this idea of agility, um, I forgot which, I think it might've been Neil that brought up about having an agile leadership mentality is something that I think needs to be developed if it's not already there. Uh, Alan, you had your hand up? Yeah, picking up on a few of those things, dealing with ambiguity or managing ambiguity and more pertinently, I guess being comfortable with ambiguity is, is a big thing. And I think you mentioned it there, Eric, in different levels of leadership, as you move through an organization, if you, you know, just use the sort of typical hierarchical view, as you move through an organization, you need to become more comfortable with ambiguity because things are going to change around you. And the speed at which we're, we're changing is um, is phenomenal. So that is a core competency of, of mid to senior leaders, I think, is being comfortable with ambiguity. And to Chris's point about letting people give things a go, it's a, it's a question, I think, very simply of a leader, depending on where you are in an organisation, being able to communicate what, what where the priorities are currently and what's changing. And just making sure that, you know, we talked about in our last podcast, the importance of, of communication. That's an overused thing, word, but communicate, communicate, you know, tell them what you've told them, etc. So it's very important for a leader, I think, to be able to communicate when a priority changes and the reason for that change. Mm -hmm. We can't just say we've got to do it different differently because something's changed. We need in this day and age with the expectations of, of our workforce, we need to be able to explain the context and, and let people know why the priorities change. But it, it's critical that we do engage in that communication and give people that context again of, you know, yes, yes, we were planning this, but we need to do this because this, this and this. You know, again, it comes back to some of that, those first principles of leadership, if you like. So that brings us to the end of this third episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank Ron Spatiri, Christopher Morgan, Neil Corden, Zanny Christofferson, Alan Muntz for being guests on today's podcast and, of course, for Kevin Bennett for organising the podcast session. Again, thanks for listening and we'll catch you all on the next podcast.